afternoon. You're listening to Local Media This Week on Scariff Bay Community Radio and you're very, very welcome. We're here to have a look at the local papers, the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo particularly, and see what's uh, interesting and what you might like to follow up in local news this weekend. Delighted to be joined by most of our uh, panel again today. Uh, first of all, uh, Pat O'Brien. Pat, you're very welcome. Thank you. And David Fleming. David, good to see you. Good to be back, Jim. And again, off the subs bench is Luke Fleming. Luke, you're welcome back. Thanks, Jim. I thought I was relegated. Well, you <laughs> nearly have your place on the team at this stage. <laughs> we're, we're without John S. Kelly. John can't be with us today, so uh, hopefully we'll see him back here again next week. But anyway, I suppose, lads, it's very, very hard not to start with Shannon and Shannon Airport and the debacle that has taken place in Dublin, particularly last weekend, and looks like maybe more of the same this weekend. Um, yeah, I suppose we start with a Cork man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose if we were down in Cork, in the Cork papers might be saying, Cork shines as Dublin dithers. There's a lot of glee in the Clare newspapers, and it's both on the front pages. Dublin's misfortune is, is Shannon's opportunity, writes Porig McMahon. And Owen Ryan has it, Shannon shines as Dublin dithers. And of course, there was a lot of talk, um, and is now a lot of talk from the local politicians in particular, uh, Cottle Crow and uh, Michael McNamara, saying, really, this, what's happening in Dublin is um, an argument for uh, repositioning Shannon or moving flights to Shannon to cope not only to actually deal with the emergency situation that the Dublin finds itself in, but actually more on a permanent basis. And they're talking about, Deputy Crow in, in particular is talking about uh, as an, uh, uh, finding a permanent solution. He said uh, pre-COVID Dublin airport enjoyed an 86% dominance, 86%, enormous percentage dominance in terms of all inbound and outbound flights. The only other national airport to exceed this uh, was Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam. In that context, the Dutch government saw fit to devise a brand new aviation policy to cap the number of flights landing and taking off from, from Schiphol Airport. So he's advocating that the government, of which, he's a me of which he is a member. I was just going to sort of point that out. Um, talk, bluster, crap. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I suppose if the if the politicians weren't if our local politicians weren't saying this, we'd be onto them as to why aren't you? Well, whatever about saying it, the parties that are in power are the ones that can make a decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the other point is we do have an aviation authority, and I think it is headed up by a clear woman, formerly um, head of uh, Shannon Group, Mary Constantine. Miss Rose Hines. Oh, Rose Hines, yes. And I presume that there is a new policy being formulated, and we know that the Transport Committee uh, of the Oireachtas uh, uh, were having, before this current incident in, in, the, in Dublin, uh, were having them all in. So presumably this policy will emerge, and this may actually be a good thing, hmm. because if this hadn't happened, it might have been papered over. Now, well, have we not been saying for the last number of years 
the exact same thing. The only difference is that now some poor dubs have been uh, misaccommodated and might have missed their flight. I'd say a lot, an awful lot of beyond Dublin. There are people from Belfast, Cork, yeah, yeah, but, everywhere. But we've been saying this. Yeah. For, but but for the years. challenge, as we have also said, is the airlines need to be based in Shannon. Because if you have most of the play, most of the airlines going direct to certain, there's a nice example there of an American or somebody changing their flights. Uh, he was flying to Toulouse or Marseille or Nice. I think you could go from Dublin to Nice. He decided when he saw what was happening in Dublin to change to Shannon. Shannon would fly to Marseille and then he had, so it was an indirect, then he flew Marseille to Nice. But he said he was willing to do that in the current circumstances. Now, most people won't do that. Most people won't get two flights when they can get the one flight from Dublin. Mm -hmm. So the airlines do need, to, I think the government need to budge mm -hmm. on the national policy. And um, well, maybe that will prompt the airlines. Well, right. Eamon Ryan is in charge. Well, Eamon Ryan has come up with some sort of policy whenever he, whenever, whenever it's going to happen, I don't know. But I don't think Eamon Ryan is too interested in aviation either, rather if, if you'd wonder it will say with the, the airlines it, it's probably easier for, for the airlines forget about the passengers uh, it's easier for the airlines possibly to center in Dublin once the runways can take the planes mm -hmm. and once the refueling arrangements and whatever is in yeah. place. Mm. Um, but as you say, it's up to the government to change policy mm. and to, as Pat said there, to, to divert a percentage mm. of flights. And it's up to the airlines then to, to say which flights mm. go from where. Mm. Um, mm. But I presume, I, I'm not, I don't know Cork Airport, I've never travelled through it, mm. David. Yeah. But I presume the experience in Cork Airport would be something similar to Shannon. A Cork, Cork Airport is a lot smaller than Shannon. I've flown from it once or twice. Um, and again, the same experience. As long as there's no fog in Cork, <laughs> the planes can take off. Yeah. That used to happen. I don't think maybe it happens anymore. But uh, it's a, a smallish airport, but you get through it fairly quick. Um, Shannon is built on a large scale. It, ha it can t ha has enormous capacity, much more capacity than Cork or any other provincial airport. So um, it's just waiting for the airlines, okay. I think. It yeah, well, it's, it's not just the airlines. You need to have a scenario where the private industry, and I'm talking about the bus companies because we have no rail connections anywhere, that if it's a case of incentivise them, or they need to basically be encouraged to bringing more, pub, more public slash private transport to the likes of Cork and Shannon. Yeah. You look at the amount of buses yeah. that go th through Limerick bringing people to Dublin. I think some of the, yeah. yeah. the council said 28 buses a day yeah. from Limerick going straight to Dublin. Yeah. If a third of those were flying from Shannon, mm. numbers wise. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think if Ryanair in particular, by the way, there are photographs there on page three of the Clare Champion with the Clare Champions reporter Owen Keegan at fairly empty, deserted, uh, queuing up areas for the baggage, emphasising the point, the contrast with, with Dublin. But um, I think Ryanair, if they did, remember Ryanair has a lot of flights going out of Kerry Airport. There's an airport in Kerry as well, I'd say it's nearly getting as much business 
well, like, Shannon is probably doing much more, but it does a lot of business. I mean, you can fly to England from Kerry if you yes. want. You can fly okay. to Dublin. Yeah. You can fly to uh, many mm. destinations. Mm. Now, why did Kerry, Air, Ryanair moved down there, I think, when they didn't get the right deal that Shannon offered them years and years ago. It's a cute Kerryman, David. A cute Kerryman, indeed. Mm. So, I mean, once Ryanair sets up in a place, they can also then bring the buses. Remember, you, mm, they often right. yeah. offer you a bus if, because yeah. the airport is located a massive miles away, miles from, away from where you want to go. Yeah. So I think it might come, Luke, if, mm. if the airlines came back and then the bus companies would see, we're often talking too about a rail spur. I think that would be a good thing. And that mm. might convince Eamon Ryan as well. He might be more convinced about that sort of. Uh, but I suppose the, the ball then really is in the court of our politicians in relation to dealing with this issue, since only the government can lay out, can change policy. And it has been, Jim. And what have they done about it? Nothing. Nothing. Very little. Allowing 86% of flights yeah. to go into Shannon is, or to yeah. go into Dublin yeah. is, crazy. is crazy. It is. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is. Okay. Listen, we'll, um, we'll go from that. Um, if any of those people flying into Shannon are doing so uh, in order to attend a stag party, um, they, they will have to pick and choose where they go. Because, I don't know, have you ever been at a stag party, Pat? I have, well, I have been. Well, there were fairly, there were... He was, a few he was at a few parties, that's what he's trying to yeah. say. <laughs> a long time since I was at a stag party, Jim, yeah. but I was at it one or two. Yes. But uh, there were maybe different. Uh, yeah, when, well, when you and I were interested in stag parties, but they weren't as wild. Yeah. I see Bill Slattery of the Lahinch Development Association uh, has outlined uh, that a pact had been reached among certain vintners in the coastal town of Lahinch to deny entry to stag and hen parties. Uh, and uh, he says, quote, since COVID we have a different element of young, young drinkers, and sorry, I should say, this is on page two of the Echo, Porrick is writing about it, and it's also in The Champion, the champion as well. Yeah. Page four of The Champion. Page four of The Champion. says, since COVID we've had a different element of young drinkers. Whatever has happened, they have come out with a bang. It doesn't look good for the village. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so. is, it, is it that they have enough business because... Certain places have um, a reputation for stag, certain towns. And I remember going to my brother-in-law's one in Kilkenny and the place was put yeah. aside. It, they do go around the country, I think. Kilkenny and, and Carrigan Shannon. And Carrigan Shannon. Yeah. And they do a roaring trade. Um, now, we're, we're, I, I would think behavior. Westport, La Hinch, yeah. um, Carrick, as you said, and there's one other place as well off yeah. the top of my head now. Uh, Kilkenny, as you said. Kilkenny, yeah. The dubs probably wouldn't mm. travel any further than Kilkenny. <laughs> mm. are, are very popular. Well, for, gentlemen, for, for I have been invited to a stag party. Excellent. I don't particularly like them, but I'm going anyway. Yeah. And where is it? It's not in a pub. It's in Durgyle. We're going out on the lake for the whole day. I'd say oh. there'll be a fair bit of drinking that night. <laughs> but in the wilds of East Clare, where we won't be disturbing, hopefully, Anybody, including the animals. I hope, anyway. Yeah, hopefully. Great. We hope not. So, I mean, the, 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 there, there is the traditional stag, which involves a lot of pub crawling, shall we call it. But there is also then a tendency, it might be for an older clientele, uh, to do something a bit different. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I, I spent my stag on an island off the west coast. Well, I suppose uh, some of them get out of hand as well, what goes on, and, and, yeah. and you know, I suppose yeah. some of them, some of the, 
So many businesses don't like the, yeah. the idea of, of maybe disruption in their places. Actually, uh, on the flight out, uh, on the island out uh, um, two weeks ago to Spain, there was a there was a, a hen party group on the, on the plane, and they were having a great crack blow around the airport. But they were, they were, they were fine, like, you know, they were. Uh, Pat, you've raised a very important point, because you see here now that they're discriminating against men. No stag parties. It doesn't say no hen parties. Oh, well, it does refer to hen parties. Oh, it does it later in the yard. The poster up in the window, though. Yeah. Um, I, su I suspect the hen parties would be kind of all right, though. It would oh, really? be allowed. I, would, I know in Galway now, and I often visit Galway at, at weekend time, and... Uh, there are, you know by the garb of the ladies involved. <laughs> yeah, in you have L plates, yeah. L plates. Yes, and, and maybe parts of a wedding dress. <laughs> yeah, they had all that gear on, on going on the plane. Yeah. But uh, those, uh, they're, the gol they're quite common in Galway. Right. Yeah. Quite yeah. common in Galway yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of the um, entertainment value, uh, especially in the likes of the Hinch, is when the stag and the hens collide. <laughs> oh, yes. Is that a good or a bad thing? Well, apparently it's not a bad thing. Oh, apparently yeah. it's not a bad thing. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so be careful. The hinge may not allow you in if you want to organise this tag party. Would we, welcome, would we be welcoming them in East Clare and the towns and villages of East Clare, I wonder? Imagine that the publicans would certainly welcome them. And Dergyle, as you say, are. are <laughs> well, they'd they welcome any business now, the way the Pope plays yeah. things for the last few years. Uh, the only problem is where we put them up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. We're stuck no accommodation. accommodation. Oh. Okay. We had a visit from our esteemed president, Michael D. Higgins, uh, in the last while, and uh, he was coming to County Clare. Uh, I suppose in relation to the Samaritans was one, in relation to tidy towns um, as well. Uh, I suppose he's, we've had him here in Scariff and he's been in other places around East Clare, so he's good to get around. Um, I suppose the tidy towns is something that is very close to people's hearts in various villages around East Clare. Well, volunteerism, I think, is one of the main, you know, the reasons that he he was down. And, of course, uh, Ennis, having won the National Tidy Towns Award last year, I suppose, and being acknowledged, and the president unveiled a plaque in, in relation to it there. And there's a few uh, nice pictures of him in the champion and the, the herald in, in uh, sorry, the echo in, in relation to it. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, I, I, I saw on, on Twitter uh, that um, uh, Porrick had a, a comment basically where he pa the president passed a few comments, I think, in relation to Newmarket. And, and as he said, uh, not, maybe nothing to do with the fact that he was speaking to a reporter, <laughs> you know, some 10 to 15 minutes prior. I think yes. that, that had him primed up a little bit. But yeah, look, it, it's nice to see him around. Obviously, we'll he say, would have roots in your market, of course. Oh, absolutely, You're, absolutely, yes. yes. Uh, that, that's that's why uh, you know we we'll say he said his his love of animals and dogs dates back to his time living in your market on Fergus. You know, so nice to see that. But you've you've. Um, you know, there's lots of nice photographs there and I think that they sort of had, had a nice day and uh, I suppose one thing that we should mention as well is uh, the Samaritans would say uh, celebrating an anniversary as well and I think that was tied into it as well. So uh, you know, I suppose like these things, uh, if, if, the, if the big man is going on tour, he's not coming for one, for one specific purpose. event. Yeah. So that I presume his, uh, 
uh, whoever looks after his diary sort of says, right, we're going to Clare on such mm. a day, we'll tie a few events in. And, you know, ni nice to see that type, type of thing happen. But I suppose so. it's also, I mean, volunteerism, and volunteerism cuts across both the Samaritans because they're, they're all volunteers in the Samaritans, and the tidy towns are made up yeah. of volunteers. You know, I suppose without volunteerism, we would be in a much poorer place. Oh, I mean, even looking where our studio is and where, mm. where we work here, all of this complex here yeah. was put there by volunteers. Oh, without doubt, uh, Jim, I think... Uh, look, at, look at any aspect of local communities, from the tidy towns to the GAA to any of the sports, most of the sports organisations, particularly the small sports ones, um, the theatre, all of these, they're unpaid for the most part. They rely, admittedly, on the subscriptions of members of the public, as well as maybe a few grants here and there. Um, and then all the charities, the whole massive charity sector. I'd love to know, I'd love to put a, a financial figure. The British are very good at putting financial figures on how much what they call big society or volunteerism is worth be worth billions in an Irish context. Um, just, just give you the example here for the financial support for the Samaritans, page nine, whole page dedicated to the Samaritans who are celebrating 40 years of Lucaset. It costs in the region of 50,000 euro annually to provide the service due to the cost of maintaining the building, training new volunteers, ongoing van costs, phone, electricity and heating costs. All expenditures kept to a minimum, and the volunteers complete as much DIY on our branch building as their skills allow. That's just a sign of volunteerism. It's it's the amount of time, yes. and then the saving that has to go in. You know, when because otherwise you could double that figure if you had to pay for everything. Mm. Yeah, there's 120 volunteers in Innes uh, support the 24 or free form. That's that's a huge huge uh, commitment. The the 24 uh, or free form helpmen. 116,123 entering, approximately 19,000 calls for help each year. They also respond to approximately 300 emails per year. Face-to-face <coughs> -face contact has been available into the bush board, and although this has been suspended temporarily due to COVID-19. So there's, there's, two, um, there's two volunteers, Jim, there. The one is 40 years, a volunteer, and another yeah. lady, 39. So there's, there's great credit to them that they mm. can stay at that. There is. But that's the time. Jason is 40 years, and uh, a lady by Mary, called Mary Griffin has 39 years of service. That's mm. huge commitment. Yeah, I, I know somebody who volunteers for mm. the Samaritans, like not in Ennis now, but up in Galway. And yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just, it's amazing, really, yeah, the yeah. work that and they do. And as I understand it, I, I, my mother-in-law, I think, uh, volunteered as well at one stage. And uh, I think all they do is they listen. Mm. They, they don't give advice or they mm. don't tell you what to do. They just listen. And, and the piece yeah. here in the, in the Champion, page nine, small talk saves lives. If you're lacking energy or feeling tired, feeling restless, feeling tearful, not wanting to talk or to be with people, not wanting to do things you usually enjoy, using alcohol or drugs to cope with feelings, finding it hard to cope. I mean, it's, it's anything that you're getting you down, they're willing to talk to you about. Yes. And the number is, it's a free number, 116123. Um, and there's an email there as well, jo at samaritans.ie. And just at the bottom of it, David, you talk about volunteering. Um, 
you know, they said, what's it like to become a volunteer? How much time do you need to give? And basically, most listing volunteers do one shift a week, three hours. So yeah. for people that can give up three hours of a week, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, it, it, it is a fabulous Service. A, fa a fabulous service. It yeah, is. they have no initiative, just the other, they have a new sign there as well. Uh, uh, talk to us and we listen. And um, and then there's a, just on the end of it here, Jim, in, in the echo. And the new initiative this year was the installation of Samaritan Awareness signs at all GE clubs and sport players. So I suppose that, 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 that helps us as well for young people to yeah. feel under pressure. Yeah, there's just another, um, um, we might do briefly there, Jim, on uh, page four of the Champion Youths, wait up to a year to see CRMHS. Their young people's face literally waits for mental health departments. Mm. And then that was the story. Four young, four young people were waiting between nine and 12 months for an appointment with a child and adolescent mental health service. No figures were revealed. These figures were released to a councillor Mary Howard following a question tabled at a recent HSE West Forum meeting. Councillor Howard said it is worrying that, that the four children were waiting between nine and 12 months for appointments. She inquired what is the knock-on impact of being an awaiting this for due to the lack of staff from the CAMHS due to the lack of staff. Last April, about five young people in Clare were awaiting an appointment. From this total 19, we're waiting up to three months, 12 from three to six months, and 10 from six, from six to nine months, and four from nine months to 12 months. Hmm. So I suppose just, yeah, this series, I suppose there's problems with the mental health services. Yeah. Well, the, the I think mental health in general yeah. is a topic that the state in this country has a very, very, very poor record. Poor record. Yeah. Acknowledgement. Acknowledgement of the problem and, and or the dealing with the problem, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. We, we are now in the university, our mental health services are at breaking point. The numbers trying to um, get access, which is a service the university provides and has always provided, but there simply aren't enough people doing it. But across the board here, this is just one story, the amount of people on all sorts of waiting lists in the health service mm. has, um, has, uh, is enormous. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ju just Jim would give it uh, 30 seconds uh, just see on page two of the champion uh, and a little bit like you know you're talking about Dublin has uh, the their airport issues and that's been treated like a national disaster because it's in Dublin but the national disaster that's sort of been in the Midwest for the last number of years it's a little bit like no one pays too much attention to it outside of the Midwest and that's basically the condition of the hospital and uh, Morris Quinlevin uh, has uh, prompted a call for a new approach to deal with what he quotes as catastrophic failures to prevent the loss of lives at, at the hospital. While the suspension of scheduled care has occurred during the winter months when overcrowding is a problem, it's not usually necessary during the summer. And uh, the deputy, uh, according to Dan Danher, says, quote, crisis has become normalised at UHL. This month, again, an unenviable record was set with 1,823 people treated on trolleys, mm. the highest number ever. No, that's for May, Yeah. not in the middle of what yeah. they call yeah, as yeah, peak yeah. winter season or yeah. anything like that. Uh, according, uh, it did come on the national news, all right, Luke, because I heard the statistic. It's the second busiest emergency department in Ireland. St. James's is, is the top 
mm. and Limerick then comes very close to it. Uh, I don't know. I, does anybody have a solution to this? Is it the, <coughs> the area that, you, that the hospital serves is enormous. The population has grown. Why isn't there a second emergency, acute emergency department in yes. the region? Extra staff, extra resources. Mm -hmm. And then they need probably new. I, I, Tony O'Brien was on there. He's a former HSC um, head and he was on the radio and he interviewed and he said there's no need for a, a new elective hospital in, in the region mm. that will deal with, 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 with people and, and you want the, that, that, that happening. Yeah. But of course. You started this talking about CAMS. I mean, what always galled me in my working life as a teacher was to see people having to go private uh, with, who had you know, parents with, with children who had issues that needed to be addressed and couldn't wait 12 to 18 months mm. while they mm. were on a waiting list to be yeah. seen because the, the problems yeah. only get worse. But the great tragedy, uh, Jim, is it's all right for parents um, who can afford yes. that. The great shame on all of us and the government and the state is those poor people who can't afford that yeah. and have to wait and have to wait and will suffer as a result. Okay, and another problem, uh, very briefly, I suppose, pyrite. Uh, Pat, there seems to be talk of a public building in Clare. Uh, suggested that it's possibly in the south of the county which is um, beleaguered by pyrite. Well, I see here on the front, the front of the Clare Champion, and I think it's, it's, it's in inside Middle region at the full page. Fiona Nagari has it here. More than a thousand homes in Clare could have pyrite. More than a thousand homes in County Clare could have pyrite. No research shows, but the maximum factors being the walks to the area. A study unveiled by the Clare Pyrite Action Group. Chairperson Dr. Martina Cleary estimates that 1,925,000 uh, homes and 11 public and private buildings have defective blocks. A survey of 90 members of the, in the CPAG shows affected homes in 38 locations, seven are in the Nathan Douglas, Drumline, Innes, Kiki, Kilroch, and Six Mile Bridge are five homes each. There are four properties in Cracker with the same number in Fleetly, Kilkish, and Shannon. Clare, Cochrane, Ireland, and Milton each have pyrite affected properties. There are two in each in Dunbeg, Fenor, and Asylum, Quinn, Tuller, and the nine remaining are dotted around the county. It seems to be a problem that's getting bigger and bigger. Mm. Uh, bigger numbers and bigger cracks in but the all, wall. Only to be expected, Jim, because as we've alluded to it before, um, you know, this is a nationwide problem. And I said, it's, it started in Donegal, took about three years to get ahead of steam before anybody else heard about it. And it's now come to Clare, and it started with one, and then it went to two or three, and now the numbers are just climbing and climbing. And it's mm. when people are more aware of it, and it's a little bit like, I, I would think that the possibility that there's a thousand houses in Clare I would think that could be underestimating it, in my own personal opinion. Mm. Because if they're talking about, you know, the number of houses built between the late 70s up to the end of the Celtic Tiger has to be in the hundreds of thousands. Yes. There's a, a picture there of, uh, it appears a lot of times in the Clare Champions since Gallagher O'Brien was down and he's there uh, looking up at Mary Handys. 
Schermsen, Mary Henley's House and Tom Lyon. Um, I said in Plaxa, since he was there, I said they have, they have got a good bit worse. They've got worse, yeah. Okay, just we said we'd mention well, because it's... it's uh, just types of regulation needed to ensure, repeat, to ensure no repeat of scandal or grim. Um, types of regulations on building materials and, and the processes must be introduced so that clear pirate scandal is never repeated. Making it cleaner for the of a major conference on the impact of defective concrete blocks, Deputy Owner Wade said that those responsible for the pilot and micro issues must be held accountable. But uh, have the, is there new legislation covering all these building materials now, or they just, is it just carry on from before and hopefully it wasn't work out hard? Yeah, I suspect it might be carry on, but I, I, I don't know. Well, O'Brien is arguing that there should be a state agency, a, a, a state independent regulatory regime he's calling for. Um, at the moment, it's left up to the councils to uh, ensure that standards are being met and that there's no national authority. So it could theoretically maybe happen again, even though people's eyes are wide open about it now. So it's, about, it's hard to say, what's the next one? Might not be the blocks, it we, might be tiles or something, I don't know. Yeah, but we haven't, like, you know, you're, uh, I don't know, the country, you've, you've, what, four or five quarries in Clare, possibly, or six. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be the biggest job in the world to appoint um, some, an engineer at, at, at Clare County Council level and walk into... Yeah. Uh, somewhere in the quarries around the county and, 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 and check out... And test them. Yeah. 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 Sit there for the day and check out everything that's going on and and is it, is it all right? And then you go, go off the Kilrush or go back to West Clare and just drop in. And I might, like, you know, you have this thing of ringing up and all this kind of stuff. It happens with, the, with, the, with the, 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 the minister going into the hospitals as well. That everyone knows he's coming. And the, 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 you know, yeah. there should be a walk in. You know, no one knows you're coming and that's it. You drop in and you, you, you yeah, take But it's going to be very things. hard, Pat, to sort of walk into a, a company making blocks today and ask them, well, lads, what were you doing 30 years ago? Oh, yeah. yeah half, half the companies probably don't exist anymore. No. I know they've, been, they've been bought over. But now, uh, now you, have to, you have to sort it out. Have there some... Ongoing issues, yeah. yeah ongoing yeah. issues. Then, you know? well, well, yeah, that, 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 that is true. But it's, uh... I'm just thinking as well, as we're coming towards the break, uh, David, isn't it heartwarming to know that our politicians in this country are held in such high esteem that uh, they, they are wined and dined, they're entertained by, um, by business uh, well, the indeed. business community, or elements of the business community. Oh, indeed. Um, you've heard of the Galway tent, Jim, I suppose. Yes. Well, this is, there'll be a tent at Punchestown now soon, or maybe already is. Um, oh, it's all about, it's all about, it's all about in April. There, in um, April, but I mean, it might be a permanent fixture, just as the Galway tent was. Clare's two Fine Gael Eructus members were among the government TDs and senators to receive the VIP treatment hosted by the gambling industry at the Punchestown Festival, writes Pauring McMahon. As first reported in the Irish Daily Mail, TDs and senators were treated to a two-course meal and a free bar for final day of the Punchestown Festival on April, 20, on April 28th. It doesn't tell us how much they availed of the free, free bar, but anyway, they had access to it, courtesy of the Irish Bookmakers Association. Now, look, why would they, 
Why would the Irish Bookmakers Association be courting politicians? Oh, would it have anything to do with the fact, David, that there's a gambling regulation bill that proposes to regulate the industry for the first time and to establish a gambling regulator is uh, on the agenda? Well, I think that mm. could be part of the story. Yeah. I, well, I, it's not a coincidence? I think, think it, it, it smells to high heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, wrong and we'll say it has taken... I suppose civilized democracies and uh, this country in particular a long time to uh, admit and accept cigarette smoke mm. and the consequences of same and eventually ban it. Uh, bans on alcohol advertising for you know specific events and sporting events and stuff like that, and this is the same. And I I I'd nearly argue that gambling should be banned more than. Um, smoking our cigarettes mm -hmm. because it's it's it, it's it's a a pan uh, an end it's an endemic illness that is being encouraged online and we'll say from the old traditional ways of going into your bookies but it's so easy to get caught up, up now now from anyone that has a smartphone you can do it no phone yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah the um the belgian government have just done that. They're bringing legislation in to effectively prevent uh, any type of advertising for any gambling, age limits, ID. They're gone really hard in, because the Belgians have a serious problem, um, seemingly, with mm. gambling, particularly young people and particularly young men. And we yeah. were talking about mental health. Yeah, mental health. It, it, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, we, we know it affects mental health as well. Listeners may be interested. Yep. It was Deputy Joe Carey, Fine Gael, and Senator Martin Conway were part of the group hosted by Sharon Byrne, chairperson of the IBA. The gambling regulation bill, which um, Luke mentioned, was not discussed at the event, where we, we are told. When contacted by the Clare Recu, Deputy Carey said he did not wish to comment on the matter. Senator Con Conway also declined to comment when speaking to the Clare Echo. They might, I hope they might respond when asked by citizens, again, uh, why they were there. The Gambling Regulation Bill proposes to regulate the gambling industry for the first time and to establish a gambling regulator. Would you not ask, though, if you were invited by, you know, the gambling fraternity mm. uh, to, to enjoy the, the, free, free, the, the free food and yeah. drink, etc., would you not ask well, why uh, am I being asked? Porrick wrote... I'm not sure if it's Porrick wrote. It is Porrick who wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. It says, Lobbying rules state that communications with a designated public official, such as a TD or senator, regarding proposed changes to legislation should be recorded on the register. And I presume that that's like a... That's a doll register. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm sorry, but if it smells like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, <laughs> and, and the boy, like a duck. and the boy, no, the only thing I'd object to is that they only got a two-course meal. Yeah. Yes. However, <laughs> yeah. you however, think it's worth much more than well, that. Well, it says, it says here. However, the punches on the mint was not logged on the on the. Yes, the that, that that's my point. I said yeah. if yeah. The, the whole area of lobbying, you only need to look at what happens in the states in relation to, to see how messed the, up and the, and the gun lobby. Has. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. That, you know, you, 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 uh, just lobbying in general in the States, and health matters as well. If they were at an event, 
No problem going to an event. It should have been put onto a register that they were at a that the event was on that yeah. they were asked to it. And I'm sorry, but personally, the fact that they sort of said that there was nothing to do with the uh, the, the regulation yeah. bill not being discussed at the event. Yeah, that's a crap. Yeah. Okay, is it time for a break? Oh, it is. Uh, uh, Pat, have you anything lined up on the on well, the turntable for us today? This. <laughs> This, this weekend, there's only one, there's only one, the oh, one. The big match, the is one, it? The one big event in, in town, and that's um, the Munster final. So we'll have Claire, my heart, my home, from Susan Mohan and the Kilf Noah Gale event. Grant. Claire, my heart, my home. Looking forward to it. So raise your voices, one and all. Sing out, let You're very welcome back. You're listening to local media this week on Scarth Bay Community Radio. And that was Claire, my heart, my home, uh, picked by Pat in relation to the match, which will be coming up a little later today. Now, uh, looking at part two of our programme, and we try, we, we said we normally try and keep it more local. Uh, to East Clare and items that come up. But the, the, the first item certainly isn't specifically to East Clare. But, um, David, tinder mm. for cows. Well, the cows of East Clare might well be looking forward to this because uh, for the first time, it would seem, cows will have a chance of getting a match with the bull of their choice. Well, maybe oh. not the bull of their choice, but a bull that might suit them. Yes. And it's, uh, you've heard will, of Tinder, have you? Will they, will they be hoofing to the right and hoofing <laughs> to the left? Well, exactly. This is Tinder. For those people, now I've not used Tinder, I have to say. I'm a, I just missed, that, missed out on that. You're a happy married man, David. Happy what you're married trying man. to say. But yeah. seemingly, anyway, there is an app called Tinder, and uh, you can find the love of your life, or at least whatever you want. And if you're interested in a person, you swipe a particular way. And if you're not interested, you swipe the other way. I don't know which, left or right. But anyway, this uh, service is now available for cows. And it's being provided by Sire Advice Works. And fund it's, as it says here, don't know who the, uh, who the journalist is, but uh, fundamentally a dating service for cows. Sire Advice works through the ICBF, I have no idea what that is, National Database of information such as weight. You need to know how, how, how weighty the bull or the cow is. Fertility, always an important one. Ancestry, hmm. you, there's another factor. Milk production and quality, but sadly not music or film preferences. To help farmers match the right cow with the right bull using the breeding application. And seemingly there's 4,000 farmers already signed up for this particular yes. service. Yeah. Are some of those criteria, would they be used in the human version of Tinder as well, I wonder, David? Weight, fertility, Weight. ancestry, and milk production. Well, I'm not so sure. <laughs> and if they do, we wouldn't certainly endorse it. Yeah. Well, ancestry now could be very ancestry, important. Jim, I think we should move on. Okay. <laughs> Before we all wind up in trouble. <laughs> Okay, Pat, I see a photograph there in the paper today in, from Tolla, uh, in page four, four, page four of the, of the Clare Echo. Yeah. Uh, a new book brought out, I suppose, following the great success of the St. Joseph's uh, Secondary School in Tolla, from a hurling point of view, 
um, a new book on hurling in the in the school. Yeah, there's a lovely photograph here of the, the captain, um, Ronan O'Connor. Uh, he's with Juliet Coleman, the school principal, and Lorraine McInerney, one of the teachers. And they're launching the book in the school on Wednesday evening last. Uh, it's a, it's a chapting, chapting the, their success is the hidden, uh, and it's a lovely photograph here of, 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 with the cup outside the school. They, they have been out a new book on the, um, on the history of uh, sport in the, in the school, back to, I think, maybe back, uh, I remember they winning uh, back in 1979, I think it was around 1979 or 80, they won in All Ireland colleges title and um, Tommy Gillifide was on it and Mike Gillifide and all those and I think it was captained by Middleman and Don Walsh at the time. So I chattering back to that time and what they have done up along and I suppose all the different sport uh, sporting achievements it'll be in the book. So good uh, timing, Pat I'd say. Yeah, it is nice to see yeah. see if anyone interested in it I think that you you can get them in the local shop so you can contact the school. Very good. Okay, I see on the um, page 11 of the Clare Champion, there's a piece there about the launch recently of an energy plan for the Clooney Spansel Hill group who are talking about, um, I suppose, community generation of energy. Now, Luke, we, had a, we sent a team from the radio station to cover that launch of which you were at. Were you impressed? Yeah, uh, very, very much so. And there's a part of me sort of hoping um, that uh, it'll catch on. And I, I have alluded to it uh, for a period of time that, uh, you know, the dubs, as well as wanting to take all the flights up to Dublin, they sort of want to, you know, they want to take our water and they want to take our power and everything else like that. And and they want to take our airport personnel even. Exactly, but we'll say there is a very interesting bit. Like there is a, a, a big study was done basically with the people um, uh, in Clooney Spansel Hill. Uh, basically the, when the houses were built, the number of uh, houses that are in, in the area, uh, the amount of cars that are in the area, the amount of vans that are in the area. And basically they looked at a, a few different things. But one of the things that I found interesting was they have a plan to try and reduce their energy output by 50% between here and 2029. And the steps that they would need to do it. So there'll be a certain amount of houses would need what they call a shallow retrofit and then a deep retrofit. And you're talking probably between maybe 20 and 50, 60,000 euros. And now there are grants available and there was a, a uh, Gerard Fitzgibbon, an SEAI mentor, will say was there as well, and he he gave a, a presentation. It was Tipperary Energy Company that gave, uh, you know, they did the study and came up with um, the results. But uh, some of the possibilities that they have is that basically um, they could uh, put in a twenty-five acre solar wind farm. They could uh, so I think about uh, plant not so plant fifty acres of forestry that would be. Uh, Compost. Uh, correct, uh, David. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you very much. That, that could be, you know, renewed every few years. But the big thing I thought was, it was in relation to uh, two wind turbines. And there's a scheme that has been, uh, I think, on the go for 11 or 12 years down in Tipperary. And this is where the whole Tipperary Energy uh, crew, I think, sort of, it was born out of this, where a local community had the foresight to. Uh, go with a plan and they put in two turbines and 
No, obviously with those type of things, it costs a lot of money to put them in. But you do see a return. And I think they're in we year 12 of since when the turbines were put in. And they have now paid for themselves. And they're going to have at least eight years where they would be generating a, a, about a profit of a million euros a year. That's fantastic. And I think that's exactly what the what these figures stand up. Yeah. And of course, uh, the, 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 it does seem to be the full package. Absolutely. Um, they're looking at everything, which is probably what everybody yeah. needs to be doing. But it's local, David. It's local. And, and this is the thing yeah. that, you know, I said it's but local. But Luke, do you think, like, we, we have loads of local volunteer associations and tidy towns and community councils. Do you think they will take it on? Or what, what do you think will prompt them to take well, it on? Well, I think, I think it, it would... T I know, Jim, I, I, I spoke to you about this before. I think it would take someone or a group of people that have foresight. And the two examples I would give are the people that founded their credit union and the people that probably built a golf club outside Budai. That type of group that could come together. Because if you think about it, the proposals for the turbines that are currently before Board Planala cover Tungreni, Budaik, Broadford and Ogunna. And what benefit are those communities going to get out of it? Technically, I think they're, they're offering, I think it's 120,000 euros a year for 15 years between everybody, mm -hmm. okay? Crumbs at the table. Yeah, but it's mm -hmm. a sort of a sop to sort of, you know, thank, thanks for letting us uh, come in and, uh, you know, uh, put this in. Whereas if each community had, you know, an investment of their own, they could, A, they could probably invest in it, as individuals. As individuals. And, you know, if it was a, a, a plan that could come in, and, and there, there's a very important thing about it, that if they keep the turbines under five megawatts, uh, you don't need to do as much um, uh, sort of background, uh, the, the tests that you need to do, and the sort of the, co the costly bits and pieces that you're doing if you're doing a, a bigger scheme aren't necessarily appropriate. But that... If you're, and we, say, we spoke to uh, Garod, we'll say the SEI man afterwards, and he basically said that if you get to the stage where you sort of, if you can get your planning, get it done, get, get it funded, you have a guaranteed revenue stream for 15 years with the way that it's been done, you know, because the way that the contracts are, are divvied out, we'll say, you know, with, with the energy companies and uh, all the rest of that. So... It'd be like at that stage, you'd have, you know, you'd have plenty of people be willing to give you money, but it's to get it to that stage. Yeah. You know, yeah. you'd like, there'd be a part of me who would like to think, it, it, I think it would be a great thing that if the credit union could get involved in it. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. just my own personal thought. But mm -hmm. I've said fair play to the people in, in uh, yeah. Clooney. Uh, it's what we do a little bit like, you know, uh, buy local, build local, shop local, mm -hmm. uh, energy local as well. I, yes. I think it's a... Yeah. a Fascinating project. It's probably the way of the I future. Them, well, you'd wish them the very best. And mm. that's just one side of it. But the whole bit about, uh, you know, the energy and uh, the savings that they would make as well. And, you know, it, it would be basically mean there would be more money in the local community. Mm. That's what it boils down to. As I said, you know, uh, one of the, the facts that they had from it was that 86% of the houses in the uh, locality are powered by fossil fuels. 70%, I think 71% by oil alone. Yes. You know, 
Mm. As man says, we're all keeping the sheiks uh, rich. Yeah, yeah, well, I, 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 um, I got high there a while back, but anyway, I, I paid, I was, I forgot about paying for it, but anyway, I can't get Gina today, and I was, I paid for it, and it was 460 or, yes, uh, the bill was, but I just asked the government, I said, oh, I'll wait, you know, oh, it's just, went, went, I'll check it now, she said, it's 705 euros now for that amount of mile that you got it. If you want to get it now, she said, it's nearly, now. nearly double, yeah. nearly double. Yeah, in fact, well, she said, should you double soon because it's gone up again. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, I suppose from energy to fitness, uh, this week saw the launch in Scariff Community College of a fundraiser um, or a fundraising movement, I suppose, to raise funds for the, an astroturf and with a running track around it adjacent to Scariff Community College. And I suppose it's the, the, the college see it as a very important aspect of their life going forward because it's it's been sport has been a very important um, aspect of the, I, of the school. I, I should ask Jim are you signing autographs yourself and John S <laughs> and says you, you appear in a promotional video for, for same. Yes we were given our lines and told to stand there and say this. Well, well you, you sound and look lovely. Yeah, yeah it, it's covered in both papers. Uh, Porrick has it on page eight of the Echo and it's also in the East Clare uh, section, page 13 uh, of the champion. And I think if you're to call a spade a spade, we have three secondary schools in East Clare. Killaloo, St Anne's, Tulla and the college. And the facilities in Killaloo have been upgraded significantly. Tulla is basically a brand new school. And Scarif has been sort of, I won't say left behind, but hasn't progressed the way that probably a certain amount of facilities around the country have progressed. But they have the land, and as Man says, they've, they, they're, on, they're off to a good start uh, from a fundraising point of view, but now it's incumbent on all of us, past, present, future people involved with the school, I think, to, the, to invest in it. And because it'll be, not only will it be a facility for the school, but it's also going to be a facility for the people in East Clare. Mm -hmm. I was talking to Donald Maloney uh, afterwards, did an interview with Donald for a programme which we will have out next week on the, on the launch, and also it's, it's on News Extra. But one of the points Donald was making is, compared to years ago, quite often now, parents and students they, they look around and see what's available, mm. see what secondary school is available. Mm -hmm. uh, will they go to school A, B or C? Mm -hmm. And they'll see the facilities they have. Yeah, yeah. And of course, sport, I mean, is, is, is only one part mm -hmm. of a school's life, but it's an important part. It is. Do you know? And um, mm. so they, they look and see what facilities there are mm. in all sorts of areas. Mm. Mm. So it's something that I suppose for the, the Scarif School, is going to be hugely important. Yeah, but it's going to cost 400,000 Jim anyway, so they're saying here, and they have 40% of the, of the funding collected. Uh, they're getting 123,000 of sports capital grant, and uh, they have a lot of fundraising uh, carried out as well. So I suppose uh, um, there's a lot of money to be collected, and we, we, we wish them the best in it. 
There you have it now, a commitment. A yes. pledge, I think they call it. Three, the of, us, three of us around this table went to that school, didn't we? We did indeed. Yes. With regard to facilities for schools, aren't the school sports takes place in the winter time? So you, you need uh, you need good surface gym, you know, you, like you know, before I remember playing Holland Law in in in, in, in Sierra and we were, there was huge was huge lobs of water around the perfectly trying But come here gentlemen, anybody who knows that ground, the pitch, there's a significant fall off. Isn't there? I don't know, there's certainly an advantage if you're playing from one side of the field to the other. Yeah, yeah but I think uh, you know, it's it's still wet. And it's still, still wet. So I mean, puddles. this is this is the perfect solution to yeah, it. I say yeah. that ground there has, was poor anyway because we we were sort of in the well, you went the gate now into the school. Yes. And that area up there along. I and remember it well. Was hard water and Jesus, we were we were. We, 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 we <laughs> we're got, sure it made made a team out of you. Yeah, didn't it? Made <laughs> men out of us. Made men out of you. <laughs> okay, David. No more me. Yeah, there, there are great headlines between Tinder for Cows and No More May. The Clare Champion is excelling in its uh, headline writing this week. Well, there's a bit of controversy up in Kilrush in relation to it uh, because uh, one of the estates up there, the residents, are, aren't too happy that, it's, um, that the estate isn't being cut. And they're sort of saying, oh, well, you know about the bees, but... Uh, yeah, but this is the policy now of Clare County Council. They've, uh, they've joined this program which is don't cut public places in may which by in general is i think a very good thing um it's to encourage pollination encourage the bees and so on um but the resident in kilrush is saying well there's no place for the children to play and uh and he makes the point that you know we're surrounded by thousands of acres of fields particularly in kilrush everywhere every small place and that there's very little places for the children to play. And I think that's a reasonable point. It is indeed. If, uh, if, I, was, if I was them, I'd be going out and trampling down that grass as much as possible and let them play. But um, you know, it's, uh, the council have said there needs to be a change uh, in society as well and how we interact. Um, so we'll have to watch it's how that happens in the future. Okay, yeah, I see all the, 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 the roundabouts in us there anyway, and they all let them grow. Yeah. The clock is beating us, gentlemen. Um, just, I suppose, to remind people, there is a music festival in Killaloo. That's right. It's practically over, but the remainder of it, there is something at three o'clock today in St. Flannan's Cathedral. It's free. For, if you're not interested in the match, it's a place where you can go. It's fun and free for all ages. Uh, musicians of the future will showcase their wide repertoire. Okay. And then her big article on page one of the living section. There's a festival in Tumgraney uh, this weekend, a family festival. Yep. And of course, the Arts Festival continues in Mount Shannon mm -hmm. until tomorrow, Bank Holiday Monday. Um, and, and, and if you don't like any of those and you want to go up west, you can go to Dunbeg, I think, for a bit of jazz. Lovely. Great mm -hmm. stuff. But, but Jamie, before, before we finish, I said the champion has a big pullout in it. Where West, which I think is something similar to what they had last year, I think I can remember yeah, us ta talking about it. Um, I, I ju just one, one or two comments would say it's, I think a few of the papers would say up the West Coast, was, it's the, the champion and the kind of tribute that are sort of responsible for putting this together. And in fair, a very nice piece of work. 
just from the advertising point of view or how it's put together page nine of it where west the wild atlantic way in clare experience the real wild ireland and there are 20 places listed and there's a picture and the picture is of holy island and the last time i looked holy island wasn't was on the atlantic wild way. atlantic way and there isn't really much of a mention we'll say of ireland's hidden heartlands for it neither but there, there are a few other um uh, bits and pieces in it and East Clare does get a mention Fiona McGarry has a, a, a two page spread we'll say on page 52 and 53 getting away from it all in East Clare uh, nice picture and take the scenic route along the East and Mid Clare way both two local pictures as well so that's oh, so we get a mention indeed Pat have, uh, what are you going to play us out on we, we had uh, Clare my heart my home are you going across <laughs> the Shannon to Limerick for part two no, no, Jim, we won't. We'll stay with our own, our own fellows. Um, we'll go back to the banner in, in 1995 and we'll have the banner roll up with Kim McDermott. Okay, that's, that's great. Anyway, listen, my thanks uh, to you, Pat, today, to David. Thank you. Thanks, to Jim. Luke. Thanks, Jim. And uh, to you, as our listeners, for uh, tuning in to us. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed our chat here about uh, the local media and what's on. And invite you to get back and come back to us next week, Sunday at 2 p.m. for local media this week. So now we will have uh, the banner roar, Kieran McDermott. So lovely, brings back great memories. Until next week, goodbye and God bless.